podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted on the Wednesday Bulletin to be getting a catch up with Colin Watt and Brian Degnan. There is so much to talk about. Uh, before we came on there, Colin was talking about Ange Postacoglu, saying that he was one of the most important signings the club had made. So let's start off with Ange, actually, because it's a good point. And I say to you, Colin, can he play left back? Where did he play? Anybody Sorry. know? He played in defence. I'm just looking him up here. I'm not sure which go. position in defence he played, but who knows? Maybe he could have played left back. Um, no, I, I do think when you talk about the, the, the amount of signings we made, obviously we'll talk about the 12. Um, mm. You could probably extend that to 14, 15 as well with the, the boys that signed for the B team. Uh, but 12 signings in, and you count Ange as the 13th because I think he's going to have to get some work on with some of the players that's already at the club as well. He's got yeah. to try and integrate these players in. Bringing in 12 signings in the one window is going to be very difficult, but I think the early signs have been good. So he could be one of the most important of the signings this summer. You know, it's a great point, Colin, and we'll probably refer back to that uh, broadcast you and I did in the pre-season when we were talking about the rebuild on a personnel level before we get to recruitment strategies and mm-hmm. uh, youth development and everything else. And we suggested back then, correct me if I'm wrong, that we would be bringing in 12 to 15 players. And it seemed astronomical to think that uh, a side who had not long been nine in a row champions and quadruple treble winners would have such... Um, a dearth of talent leaving but it has happened and we have had the replacements. Brian what do you reckon on the point Colin made that so far looking at the transfers that we made kind of prior to the last 48 hours or so it has been generally good I mean the only guy I think that we'll fail to see the best of and it's of you know it's not his fault it's due to fitness um, issues is James McCarthy 
I think he, you know, he's maybe one of the players Colin's talking about. He will come to the fore. He'll need to come to the fore at some stage between now and January. Yeah, and I think probably like Joe Hart, what you bring to the squad and what you bring to training and stuff is a bit of character and a bit of experience, and you know that will help as well. So even though he's not playing now, he's probably a good addition to the squad in general. Um, I think Urugidi's probably the other question mark. Um, a few reports suggesting he's he's already slipping down the pecking order. Mm. Um, he suddenly just came in, so so that's interesting. But I think yeah, it's the signs are good in terms of squad integration. But twelve players in the window, window is hard, um, you know, to get into jail and stuff. And maybe that's why it's taken so long to get players in. Maybe it's been the case that you know I know Ange definitely has been making a point of making sure it's the, the right type of person as much as the right type of player. Mm-hmm. So maybe doing a bit of research, a bit of reconnaissance, talking to them. Maybe that's why these decisions have taken a bit longer. Um, and if that's the case, then that makes it easier, in which case, brilliant. Um, it doesn't seem as if we've made any desperation signings, which is good. You know, the guys in the last day, the, the transfer window, uh, Gene Akis, the man, mm-hmm. um, I might just call him Georgios for safety, mm-hmm. uh, Big George, um, him, Jota, they were linked for a wee while, and um, the, the big centre-half as well, if you talk to him, he was linked at the start of the window, so... It wasn't any last-minute desperation signings, and the two loan signings we've made have both got options to buy. So, I think a marked improvement in terms of quality and in terms of the age of the players and stuff than previous windows. But yeah, we did still drag our heels a bit. Yeah, we're going to have a what they call a deep dive into the <laughs> transfers, and uh, I don't know why that got a snigger. But um, last couple of days, obviously, we've not really spoken about the new signings. We'll have a look at those that have uh, arrived prior to that as well. But also some of the outgoings, some big, big players leaving the club. Um, and, you know, like everybody else, you're refreshing the page, you're looking for news, you're seeing the farewell, farewell messages, you're then seeing Celtic players in new colours. We're going through the emotions of that. You're wondering if you're going to get the Benkovic, Roberts, Forster um, last minute. Uh, loan deals thankfully we didn't Colin what do you think about this kind of last day chaos of the the kind of transfer window is it something that you relish is it something you enjoy it's the marketers report this week Patrizia Spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment and think about the things you love. It could be stuff like vintage vinyl, stylish sunglasses, or your exotic fish collection. Whatever your passion is, the new Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery gives you a chance to multiply your cash by 5, 10, 25, or even 100 times and enjoy a lot more of the stuff that makes you, you. Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery. If you love it, multiply it. Please play responsibly. 
enjoy it. I do. I, I like seeing all the the movement on the last day. Um, and to be honest, uh, what does annoy me is the fact that Celtic drag it out. I think everybody knew the likes of Yota and uh, Yakamakis was coming in, but it's the kind of waiting on this. The, the thing that was the most exciting was the last hour. When all the newspapers had told us that we were done, that was it, no more business. And then back into the free comes Cameron Carter-Vickers. So, I mean, it went on so late that if you look at the back page of the newspapers today, it tells you we only signed two players yesterday. Wow. Who, who, still looks, who still looks at the newspapers? That's the right, question. Exactly. So if you, if you are only relying on newspapers, you'll maybe find out tomorrow that we actually signed three. Um, but yeah, we've caught everybody off guard. So yeah, that was good to see that we were still kind of getting in there to the last dying embers. I, I like the last day for all. Uh, I'd like to see Celtic get involved in it more. I think there'll be some gems that come out available on loan on the last day that you probably didn't have put into your consideration right up until that moment. You know, um, we'll talk, as I say, about all the new arrivals and the departures, but uh, I think Catholic United social media manager <laughs> is uh, earning their crust this morning, that's for sure. They've been selling so it in merch. Brilliant, love it. We'll have a wee chat about that link as well. And also we'll be dipping into the comments section because we've got our viewers coming in all over the globe and using various different platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, and also YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, get subscribing because today we will announce the winner of August's prize, which is a platinum Fratelli's disc for their debut album, Castello Music. Beautiful uh, memorabilia. It's a cracking album. Chelsea Dagger, of course, is uh, a a hit with Celtic fans and there's a couple of Celtic fans in the band. But this was presented to John Fratelli. Um, Don't ask me how I managed to get my hands on it, but it's here. And it's going to be given to one of our subscribers. Uh, last month or the month before last, rather, was the Verve's Urban Hymns. And this month it will be a more Celtic-related prize that we'll be announcing later on today at some point on the social. So thanks for getting involved. How do you think this, the transfer window went? Were you happy? Did we spend enough? Are we keeping our powder dry for January um, for stage two? The first question I'm going to ask before we get into the nitty-gritty of the individual players, and I'll come to you first, Colin. The 12 players, let's say 12, I know that you're, you're including a couple of others who have come in. Um, the business had to be done for some of the, the B-team players as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of business done it was difficult last season to integrate a group of players into the team. How difficult is it going to be to integrate 12 over the next few months leading up to January? I think especially with the amount that's arrived over the last week and a half, it will be difficult. Um, I've, I'm hoping that this international break helps us and the fact that these guys aren't going to be going away for their international teams like Zahia Marcus, Yota, Scales, Juranovic they'll be in and around Lennox Town getting the chance to kind of settle themselves in. I know for a lot of last season, was it a Yeti that was staying in a hotel because of the way that the um, the COVID scenario was? So mm. it's, we've got to use these sort of 10, 12 days to get the guys integrated into Scottish um, society. I mean, look at Kyogo. Kyogo is loving life in Scotland. You've seen him kicking about the West End of Glasgow. We've seen him in Brayhead. He, he's getting all about. He's integrating himself. And I think the fact as well that a lot of these players that we're bringing in are slightly older as well. Like say Yakimaka is 26. Um, I think Juranovic is 26 as well. That for me suggests that because they've got that slightly more mature look on life that they might find it a lot easier to integrate 
as to opposed to bringing in guys that were in their sort of early twenties, it can be difficult being away from home for the first time. Yeah, you're right. Zhiranovic uh, is 26, and you know there has been a right good mixture of experience when you think of Hart and McCarthy. Then that kind of established mid 20 uh, year old player uh, who comes in with with big pedigree like Juranovic and then the kind of younger ones that we'll talk about as well and Abada um, so, and, and Yota of course so what about yourself, any concerns with that Brian, it's great, I mean you know, this is the thing with the transfer window football fans are yearning for more they want more players coming in they get caught up in the excitement but obviously the flip side of that is that you're bringing in generally a, a brand new team, so the whole dynamic of that, the training um, of these players, integrating them within the group, all of that kind of thing doesn't happen naturally. It can take time. Yeah, I think it can, but I think evidence has shown so far that you know, I just hit the ground running. You know, I was I was interacting with a few people on Twitter, and some people were, were a bit down on the transfer window. Some people a bit more positive. My take was, with you, you look at the job I just done in two months in terms of not only on the field, but. You know, recruiting these players, getting mm. the rising squad that's there, improving some of the players that's there. You know, he's managed to do that without a head of recruitment, without an established transfer operator, without the proper backroom staff. Um, and he's got his to qualify for the Europa League. So evidence would suggest that given how much he's done in the past two months and how quickly the squad has gelled thus far, I think integrating these other players in, I don't think it would be too much of a, a task. And again, I think, I think he's clever enough to looked at the type of men they were and, and, and to make that easier as well as an adjustment and Collins right this international break is an ideal opportunity to get them in, in you know, 10 to 12 straight days of training playing getting through their teammates I think it's uh, I don't think it's quite as daunting a task as I might have expected mm. um, and I think if anyone can do it it's, it's the big fella big Ange yeah, fair dues. Now, we'll have a look at some of the comments coming in. Neil Doran, welcome to the show. You're watching on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, click the button. And also your notifications, Colin. And you need to notify them of all new broadcasts. Uh, all round, it's been a positive window. Some good additions to the squad and a frantic finish to the window. Left back in midfield now need to be January priorities. We will talk about what else we need. Obviously, we're not going to get them in. Um, or we're unlikely to get them in unless there's a, an issue with free agents or a, something arises with a free agent until January and we'll talk about January and how we're going to actually tackle that as well because there's also Sean F coming in saying underwhelmed with the transfer business I think I was more underwhelmed with our January transfer business uh, just past there midfield is a major concern going forward especially with the intensity and style of play under Ange an injury to McGregor or Kyogo and we are in trouble. Well, I think there are some areas of the park that we're going to focus on in relation to where we still have some concerns. But let's have a wee chat about some of the arrivals. Cameron Carter-Vickers. So he was the late arrival. There's been a few occasions in the past, Colin, where we've had players coming in very, very late. And there's been a few players we've missed out on very late. You know, I always yeah. remember the story about Dwight York being up at Celtic Park. And he's actually in the Celtic boardroom and he takes a call from another club in the Celtic boardroom to sign for that other club or agree to go and sign for that other club. He's in the stadium 
and we don't sign him. Um, so there's all these stories, but obviously Cameron Carter-Vickers, he's come in on loan. I think one of the most important things, and Brian's already raised it, Colin, is that he's on loan to the end of the season, but we have that option to buy. There's far less kind of short-termism about business like that, isn't there, Colin? Yeah, definitely. And I think in the whole Dwight York scenario that you were discussing there, I think if you take a look at not only his football life, but his personal life, the lack of commitment kind of runs through that. So um, that says a lot about him as a person. But going on to the the idea of Carter Vickers, the loan deal um, with the option to buy. Now, this is something we looked to do with Ayeti last season. And to be honest, if you'd signed him on loan last season, we wouldn't sign him this window. So you, you are getting almost the best of both worlds in that scenario to the point of you're seeing what you can get out of the player and if you're happy enough, then you've got that option to bring him in. Whereas if it doesn't go well, which to be honest with Celtic, quite a lot of our loan signings don't go well, then you've got that option to get rid of them, uh, which is exactly what you want to see. Um, look, Cameron Carter-Vickers is one that I don't think exactly sets the header alight um, amongst the Celtic fans. I think some are kind of big on him. He's six foot one, he's commanding, he's got international experience. He's played 130 games, but they've all been at championship level. A lot of kind of Spurs fans were not that fussed about him leaving the club. I still think he's got the ability to do a job for us, and I don't think he's going to be a first-choice centre-back, which I think helps him too. I think when you look at it, when, when everyone's fully fit, Starfelt, and Julian are probably your first choice centre backs, but to have someone with his experience that can, you can bring on, because rotation in this squad is going to be massive this year. We look at it at the minute we're playing with what 14, 15 players. You look at the game on Sunday; we had three options really we could bring on from the bench. We we can't keep going with such a small squad. We need these mm. players to step up. The likes of this mm. Rafe Rovers game in the Premier Sports Cup, and no disrespect to Rafe. But Alexa Kyogo, I don't want to see him anywhere near the squad for that game. Because if we pick up a couple of injuries, just like one of the comments said earlier, the strength and depth just isn't there. We have a very good starting 11 with maybe four or five backups. But after that, a couple of injuries and we could be in trouble. Yeah, and that, that I think is going to come back into our conversation. And, and not just the injuries, though, Colin. You go into Angie's comments about Ralston, for example. Tony can't play 60 games a season, but there are players who we expect to play that level. And and one of the, the biggest examples of that, of course, is Callum McGregor. Now, Brian, Colin's been talking there about the loan-to-buy option, which is a step in the right direction in terms of our recruitment. So, too, is the length of contracts. We're getting them uh, kind of uh, signed on as well. Are you being, are you being kind of like um, enthused by the different approach to bringing the players in? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's it's funny because, you know, weeks ago we were talking about the, the legacy issues and how we feel this transfer window is reflective of that in regards to the amount of time it's taking players to come in. Mm. But I suppose now when you, you look at the optics are slightly differently when you consider that, yes, we've been smart in terms of the, the loan with the option to buy, we're tying these guys into the five-year deals, four-year deals, whatever it is. And again, I think that's reflective of getting Joe Hart and James McCarthy in. The fact that they signed a few years each as well shows that their commitment. So again, I think it's I think it's the vibe is different and better. Um, one of the, the issues I raised last time I was on was the amount of players. I expected more players to leave, if I'm honest. Yes. I expected, away. I expected Barkas away. I mm. question marks over Yeti. Um, I expected guys like Yuri Gidi probably to go out and loan. Mm-hmm. So it, that's interesting. But again, I think that's 
again, symptomatic of the fact we don't have a proper transfer slash recruitment you know, manager, director in, in situ, and I think that is indicative of that. One of the things that's interesting about the squad we talk about, and it's one of the things that I suppose I feel strongly about, is one of the things I spoke about was youth development, getting younger players in, giving them a chance. Maybe mm-hmm. he's seen enough in the younger players that he's got, that he feels he's got players that can fill these gaps. Maybe he thinks, well, I've got a kind of strong start in 11 with a few key players I can cover. I can subsidise that by giving some of these younger guys a chance and getting them games. So, you know, in an ideal world, you'd be signing 23 players in a transfer window. You want a whole new squad or a whole new thing to cover. But that's unrealistic. And if you're doing that and you're looking for that, you can all lot of Saudi fans want to get more players in. But if you're doing that, where's the pathway for these younger players to come through mm-hmm. and get a chance? I mean, are you going to take that much? Are you going to eliminate two squads just to give the younger guys a chance? Mm. That's even unlikely to me. So I, what I'm hoping, actually, and what I think is actually a positive, which could be seen as a negative, is guys like Montgomery. I think you see a lot of him this season, you know, rotating with, with Taylor, and I think that's only yeah. good for mm-hmm. I think, you know, you're looking at Welsh and at Starfield, where you're, you're starting line up the new. Cameron Vickers, uh, Carter Vickers, Cameron Vickers, Carter Vickers is covers, and... Um, I think Dane Murray will be covered until Julian comes back. That's a good thing. You may be seeing, you know, you may think Young Moffat gets a call up at some point. It's covered for the wings. There may be enough that um, there's enough there that he sees he thinks actually longer term these guys can come and do a job. Maybe they don't need to spend another five million on a winger or a left back or another centre mid. Maybe there's enough there. And if we're going to be a club that brings through youth players and, 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 and gets them game time. We can't also then buy in enough players that they're not going to get that chance. So I think I think we can only really judge this transfer window in three, four, five months' time. We've actually seen A, are we looking at other targets in January? Or B, has there, you know, some youth started playing some first team games? Yeah. And then a bit more of a, an indication of where we're actually at. Well, I think the only thing to kind of say on that though, Brian, is the idea of having this B squad this year. Guys like Moffat, we won't see until January. He can't make the step up now. He's That's technically not. He's but technically not a Celtic player. So you decide in January if he needs to spend players or he's seen enough of the squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, the guys like, like, uh, so guys like Moffat and even I think Murray now has played enough games that they're technically not Celtic players, they're Celtic B players now. So the, I think we still got that issue though that if you do pick up a couple of injuries, you can't really turn to these guys, which is sort of the benefits we're seeing them play every single week, but we're not getting that opportunity to call them in if we need them. So I think that's why the likes, you've not seen the likes of Shaw or Uragidi or even guys like Connell go out on loan. I was actually surprised to even see someone like Scott Robertson go on loan because he's been someone that's been on the bench consistently over the last couple of weeks. I don't know. Uh, I, I think we're we might regret that I hope we've got a recall option on things like that see the thing with that Colin is uh, I, I reckon that in uh, years gone by so many more players have gone out on loan for the, but for the very reasons that you have described there mm-hmm. we've been a bit more cautious haven't we I, I was quite surprised I've got to say I was quite surprised that uh, when you look at the right back situation that we allowed O'Connor to go out on a season long mm-hmm. loan because I just think you know that that's your kind of your backup option isn't it mm-hmm. I know we've got Urugide um, in there, I know that Welsh can can cover there, but um, a couple of injuries and you really are struggling. So we're kind of running with two established right backs at the moment, and the cover is coming but coming in from two guys who are centre halves 
but who can also play right back. Uh, and I, I never like playing players out of position. I really don't. But um, no, that's a good point when, it, when you bring in the Celtic B. What I would say is uh, this time last year, we did the exact same broadcast and we were foolish enough to ask the question, is this Celtic's best transfer window? And what we meant is, of modern times when transfer windows were a thing, obviously, you know, you go back to the seasons in the late 90s even, whereby you could be buying players in throughout the season and they introduced the transfer window. Is this the best transfer window? Well, we've, we've given it 12 months to consider that, Brian, and uh, the big answer is not, wasn't it? But another thing about that is, when you look at the loan players we brought in last year, how many of them really would you have turned into a, a buy option, Colin? So, you, you know, you think about some of the loans in the past, like Powell Brozek, for example, you know, coming in. You would never have signed him in a million years. But, um, you know, we, we, we went ahead and we bought a Yeti rather than brought him in on loan. So I think the cautious approach is absolutely fine. And I don't look upon it as a short-term option if we have that option to buy. Um, and centre-half, here's the question. We brought in... Over the, over the piece, we've brought in Urugidi, who can play there. We've brought in uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers and also Liam Scales, who is a centre-half, but he can also play on the left-hand side. Was the centre-half going into the last 48 hours for you, Colin? Was that the priority position? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we said this last week, eh, sorry, last year, we still need somewhere around four to five centre-halves to get through a season, um, especially when one of them has been injured longer than what he's been playing in Chris Julian. He's a great player when he's fit, but you've seen he's got that sort of injury kind of history. So bringing in players that can go in and slot in, it just means that you're not relying on guys like Nia Beaton who have proved in the past that as much as they want to play at centre-half, it just doesn't suit them. And I think since Ange's seen that in the game uh, that he played there, the, the last time we saw him play, he actually played midfield. So it's as if he's going back into what he used to be. He mentioned there about scales. Scales, I see, is your left-back option. I don't see him playing centre-half. He's one of those players that, over the last 18 months, has transitioned his position. Now, we've gone about Montgomery being a left-back, but he's never a left-back, or he was never a left-back. He was transitioned into that left-back role. Scales has mm-hmm. also transitioned into that left-back role. He played something like 17 games last season for Shamrock on the left. And then this season, he's predominantly been on the left-hand side. You look at the the European qualifiers that they've had, he's been playing as the wing-back in a sort of 3-5-2 slash 5-3-2 when you've not got the ball. So I think he's coming in definitely to play in that left-back position. The fact that he can play centre-half as well suggests to me that he would be far more comfortable with that inverted full-back position than the likes of a Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor's never had to step into the centre-half position if he's comfortable coming into the middle of the park, for me it suggests that he's better in that role. We saw guys like Kieran Tierney do that, where mm-hmm. Kieran Tierney was a left-back, but for Scotland he plays centre-back. I think that's a kind of, not to the same level, I wouldn't come out here and say skills as the next Kieran Tierney, but it's that You've got to watch of, what you say, Colin, because exactly someone will, be, will say that you did say that. <laughs> it, it'll be clipped, but that's the kind of comfortableness of his positions that he's got, and having that versatility especially mm-hmm. in the formation that we play, could be a big factor going forward. 
It could be a big factor in a guy like that getting more game time. Absolutely. Uh, the Shamrock Rovers fans, by the way, did contact us and say never call our club Shamrock ever again. So I don't know if there's oh. another <laughs> another Shamrock team. You know what I mean? Shamrock City. And you've just you've just dropped a Stevie Gerrard there by referring to them like Dundee when it's Dundee United. But there you go. You're learning all the time. Um, and indeed, I, I was. We will talk about Liam. But when we look at the, uh, our new signing coming in from Spurs, our second signing coming in from. Spurs, like you say, Colin, uh, most of his football has been played at loan clubs. So, you know, he's been out there um, to seven. This is this is his seventh loan deal. Um, and in that time for the, the loan clubs, he's played something like 125 games, uh, five appearances for Spurs, uh, generally used in cup games. When I look at a player like that, and I think the same, and this isn't, again, me saying we should sign Paddy Roberts, but there are players out there who just get bounced from loan club to loan club. And there comes a point where you think that player needs a home. He needs a bit of stability in order to progress as a footballer, not just fill his bank balance and everything else, but to progress as a player. He needs a home and he needs that stability. Um, With the fact that we've got him in on loan with the, the clause to buy him, uh, Brian, do you think that this could be a move that, that turns permanent for a player? That you know, I, I like the look of him. I've got to say, I know that he's a big command in centre half, as Colin says, but he does like to play with the ball at his feet. He, ha- he has got that nature about him that you hope would allow him to fit into Angie's system. Yeah, I think so. And I, well, I don't know much about the boy in terms. Of, I've seen some footage, uh, but I've not followed his career, so I, I don't know. But you'd like to think that the one with the option to buy. He's probably looking at this stage to have somewhere settled. Yeah. So you imagine when he gets a chance, that's that's his incentive there. Is you know more than anything, he, he prove he can be at a club, build a career there. He's only twenty three, so mm-hmm. you know he doesn't need another loan club again. He needs to he needs to go somewhere and move. And, and again, it's one of the other reasons why I think a loan with an option to buy is quite a, a good thing to have in, um, because it gives us the opportunity, it gives the player the opportunity to to maybe if they've got a point to prove. And mm-hmm. go along in. And the other thing is, as well, it gives another dynamic. It, it offers Starfield a rest because I think you know he maybe is the, the type he could sort of take a step back and, and maybe do a wee break at times. He's, he's played a lot since he's first came in, so I think I think having these guys in is always a, a bonus anyway. And um, you know he's played also played around decent players at Tottenham and even long clubs he's been at. He's, so he's fairly experienced as well. So well, the amount of ones he's had could be a negative. It could be a positive in that. He's, he's now quite an experienced. He knows how to mould with different teams, different players. Mm. Mm-hmm. And having that experience at a young age may be a good thing. What's your thoughts on that, Colin? Because you do see players that uh, they become journeymen, even though they've only had one parent club. Uh, mm. And, you know, Chelsea have got a, a whole host of players that they, they're loan out all over all over the football globe, if you like. Um, but there has to be, yeah, like like Brian says there, it, it maybe makes him more adaptable. It maybe means that he can hit the ground running when he comes to Celtic. He's obviously got international pedigree. Um, but there are players that you just think they need a home, they need to get settled in. And do you think this might be a, a meeting of minds? I love the, I really do love the Catholic United story. Um, they were posting pictures of him last night wearing the green and white hoops. And if you dig a wee bit further, and, and I'm not just saying this, but I did have a wee newspaper clipping uh, of the, the Robert Kelly story where he's actually gifted the club their first set of green and white hoops back in 1968. And I've seen that emerging last night as well. That's why they wear the green and white hoops. I think they were founded in the 50s. They were struggling for kits. 
they've asked Celtic for a set of kits and, and um, Sir Robert Kelly gave them them uh, and they've worn the green and white hoops ever since um, as I say I, like many other Celtic fans, are now following Catholic United and uh, <laughs> looking at sponsorship for their jerseys, etc. Uh, and we wish them all the very best. There's the friendship. Uh, where you, when you look rather at where we are just now, our two first choice centre halves are Carol Starfelt, Stephen Welsh. Now we speak about the Rangers game at the weekend there, and I don't think we were overcritical, but we did certainly pinpoint deficiencies within the Celtic team. And once again, one of the deficiencies was the inability to defend that particular set piece, you know. Um, and you're looking, you can try and blame this one or that one. I've seen Welsh being blamed. I've seen Starfield being unable to to uh, attack the header well enough, etc. When you're looking at that situation, they are the first choice centre-halves. And we've said this about Ralston, it's your jersey to, to lose now in terms of the right-back. Is it the same for Welsh and Starfield? Or can you see... Our new centre have been thrown in very much like what Starfield was at Tynecastle, Colin. We're, we've got Ross County coming up on the 11th. How do you think Angel play this one? I don't think it would be fair to both either um, Welsh or Starfield if Cameron Vickers was to come in and take the jersey right away. I don't think they've been to the point where you're saying we're just doing this because it's the only options we've got. I do think that the two of them have played fairly well. Uh, Carter Vickers he'll have to fight for the jersey but having that competition is a good thing for the squad mm-hmm. it is a good thing um, the, the thing that I was looking at with Carter Vickers is on transfer deadline day yesterday it was between us and Newcastle for him and right. Newcastle were going to buy him permanently they had a bid rejected of just under £2 million mm-hmm. and then Carter Vickers extended his contract for another 12 years eight, 12, 12 years Probably 12 years. McLean, 12, United. 12 months, um, which means that he's got two years left on his deal, which is why we've put the the idea in that we've got the option to buy at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, there would be no point in having the option to buy because he'd be out of contract in the summer anyway. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in. But in the same sense, I'm wondering when Juranovic comes in as well. Because at the minute, would you drop Anthony Ralston? He's been no. playing well. No, so no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. The, the competition to for places is something which we haven't had at the start of the season. You, as Anne said, we were playing X, Y and Z because there was no one else to play. Sure. So bringing these guys in is a sign of strength. Could we have went even further? Most likely. First steps, early steps. Yeah, yeah. so we brought in four centre-halves, Urugidi um, and Starfelt. And also, I know that you're saying Liam's skills might be utilised on the left-hand side, Colin, but he's in the half as well. And of course, on your arrival in uh, Carter Vickers. And and I think the, the big thing that I'll take for that as well, Brian, is that you know that removes the, the need to play somebody like near beat on out of position. I mean, how often, how many seasons have we had to do that? Where do you think that he fits in? It's a good point Colin makes, right? You bring in Juranovic and he, I thought he played pretty well. That was one of the positives yeah, yeah. I took yeah. against Rangers, you know, out of position. There was a moment where he brought that ball down out the yeah. air. It was just sublime. Um, he's out of position. I thought he played very, very well as a debut. Didn't look overwhelmed in the slightest. And yeah, you, you know, you're thinking if he can play the same way in his preferred position and you would expect that he can, he's going to be playing a, a fair chunk of the games, but it does seem pretty unfair to drop Ralston for Juranovic at the moment or to drop Welsh uh, for Carter Vickers coming in. Uh, is he going to... Uh, because let, let's be honest, he's done it. 
he'd done it with Starfield when he came in, just threw him right in into the team against Hearts. Do you think he'll do it again with uh, Juranovic and also with Carter Vickers, Brian? I think if we see him, he'll probably be in a rotational thing. I suspect it, given the, the, the level of intensity he likes the team to play at. You know, he's shown already where he's got the chance, he will chop and change. So I think it's, I don't think it's a case of, you know, if Ralston gets dropped for a Ross County game, it's because he's playing poorly or because Aranovic is better. I think it could be the case he's just given him a rest. Yeah. He wants to try something new out. Um, one of the things we talk about as well, and you know, and it's something that I've been keen to try and get across is Angie's system, you know, the, the high press, the, the game intensity, the attacking mindedness, etc. That's different for Angie's tactics. So you could find he might switch up again and play three centre backs. And, you know, he might change about to a 3 4 3, which he's done sometimes in his previous career. So you mm-hmm. may find some of these players like Scales comes in as the left of a back three at times. You may find he plays a, a two, you know. Uh, Kyogo and Big Georgios um, up front. So just because he, he might change tactics doesn't mean he's going to change the system. You could find that actually he'll adapt and rotate like that, like the way Brendan Rodgers used to do. He used to switch between a back three and the fourth, two, three, one, etc. I think Ange might do the same. So you may find that guys like Skills are currently play, you know, a very specific position for a very specific role within that squad. We simply mm-hmm. don't go yet, but that's kind of exciting, right? Because we've actually got, we don't know what squad's going to be. We don't know how the team's going to line up. Whereas, you know, this time last year, we could we could name the, the, the team in our sleep because it never changed and it was turgid to watch. So it's a really good position we're in now where we can actually maybe chop and change and surprise a few things. And I think that's going to be key for Ange. So I don't think it's as much of, you know, Carter Vickers is in so Welsh is dropped. I think it's the case that he'll start to rotate. And you may find there's different partnerships he builds throughout the team and, and just lets it flow. Because when you look at the start of the season, you know, Roger Turnbull and McGregor were not the partnership you thought you would see. But it sort of yielded our best results so far. And, and then that changed at the weekend and it's, it's changed before and changed, I'm sure it'll change again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The thing, is, the thing is, well, with that, Paul, is if you ask Celtic fans who they wanted to drop at the minute between Starfelt and Welsh, I think it would be leaning more towards Starfelt being the one to come out of the team. I think a lot of people have been impressed with the way that Stephen Welsh has played. So we're saying there, would he come in to replace Stephen Welsh? I think Stephen Welsh has got that jersey. It's up to the players coming back in to kind of get it back off him. I'm not saying that Starfelt's had a poor start. We've seen the worst of Starfelt, but we've also seen some of the good that he's got as well. See, yeah. any time the ball comes across, he's the one that's there heading it clear. And I think certainly in the second half against Altmar, he was one of the better players. It's just getting that consistency out of him as well. I don't think he looks very comfortable with the ball at his feet, as we saw on Sunday when he tried to do that Ayer-type run over the halfway line and then get a nosebleed. But he's growing into the role. He's going to take time to settle. Um, but if you had to pick one to drop right now, I think most fans would lean towards Starfelt over Welsh. We shall see. We shall see. Now, I'm going to cover two players in one. One player that came in, one player that left, because there are so many comments coming in and I want to bring up as many as we possibly can. It's Noel Doran again. Shame Christie couldn't be convinced to stay on as he seemed to be buying into the system, especially given he has transferred to what is clearly a step down in club. Um, I think that uh, one of the interesting things I was saying last night is, you know, if you look at Ayer and Christie and Eduard, regardless of, of where they've gone, 
Um, the clubs that they've gone to weren't really the clubs they were linked to maybe a year ago. You know, we, we were hearing links to AC Milan in relation to Ayer or Arsenal or Leicester in relation to Eddie and maybe Southampton for, for Christie. They've not gone to the, those clubs. But they have got big money moves. Um, two of them have anyway, and, and Christie's gone, and you're basically taking what you can at this stage. What will be interesting, though, is to look at their next three moves. You know, Ayer, Christie, um, and also Eddie, and how much that's going to cost their next clubs. I think that's going to be very interesting. And both the three of them are at an age where you know there's going to be another big transfer should they perform for their current clubs. And, you know, you will be looking at it, and, you know, it'll be mind boggling figures throw Tierney into the mix as well when he gets a move from Arsenal um, and you just hope that we've got good sell-on clauses as well Colin you know this is one of the big things that came in with regards to, to Jack Kendry and we've spoken to death about Jack Kendry and how the club were in a situation and it was in a legacy issue etc but you do hope that there was a, a sell-on clause in that deal if, if he's then moved for big money to Bruges um, if, if we're bringing in loans to buy, we're getting longer term contracts. You do hope also Colin that we're getting those sell-on clauses into the deals as well. It does sound as if there was one for Jack Henry I think someone mentioned it was just under a million pounds that Celtic got as part of that deal so you put that on top of what they got, they got best part of two and a half million pounds for Jack Henry which considering he didn't want to be at the club, he had the option to come back and try and fit his way back in, he was desperate to leave, it's a good bit of business overall yeah, I, I think if there was, and you, you bring in a wee bit more, then it takes the sting out of it uh, a little bit. And um, we will talk about the coffers and uh, the fact that they are still bulging, actually, um, and how that's going to put us into a good position come January, because um, the, the likelihood is we will have to go back into the transfer market then. But on the subject to, to Christie, let's talk about Ryan Christie and also uh, our new signing, Yota, who is a 22-year-old left winger. Uh, but he can play left, right and centre very much like mm-hmm. Ryan Christie. He can, he can actually play any of the positions that we've seen Christie playing in. Um, so he's got four, he's got 55 Portuguese underaged caps coming in from Benfica. Once again, loan with a buy option. This is his second loan deal. Um, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, you know, is he a almost like for like Ryan Christie replacement, Brian. From what I've seen, you know, he's got a lot of the qualities that Christie possessed as well. Yeah, I think so. And I think he's an exciting talent. Um, you know, the thing about Christie is you can't deny his move because it's his, it's his dream club, apparently. It's the club he supported for a long time, relatively. <laughs> so, we're fair play, Ryan Christie, secret Bournemouth fan, all that thing. Um, <clears throat> so, fair play to him. But, yeah, I think it's a good move. It's a good replacement. And I think. What you might find is, we've spoken a few times, if you've got a front three, say, of Abada, Ewo, and now Jota, that'll rotate and swing and move around, and it gives that fluidity, and um, I'm really anxious to see him play, actually, because he seems quite an exciting player, and um, excited to see how that goes. So, yeah, I think it's a solid replacement for Christie. Um, the one-out, one-out policy maybe wasn't the ideal, but I'm assuming we're going to talk about January, but... I suspect that what Postecoglou's aim was was, you know, getting a start in eleven, stabilise the team, start getting a, you know, a way of playing in way, fix the background structure, and then hopefully re recruit in January if it when is needed. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, messages coming in about Yota and his phenomenal mane of hair as well. We never did replace Stuart Armstrong's hair, but I think there is no doubt we have now, to be honest with you. When you look at a player like that, exciting young talent, uh, Colin, and a lot of people are saying that he looks brilliant until his final ball. 
Um, so hopefully, you know, if that is the case, Ange can coach that into him as well because he does look to have just about all the attributes to be a, a very, very good player for Celtic. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you look at um, Lee Labada, who's the other one that's come in on the sort of wings, I think Abada still has to work on his final ball as well, but both of them are at that young age that is something that they can work on. Um, seeing that, I mean, Twitter cl- YouTube clips and Twitter clips only show you the best of players, but even some of the stuff that you've seen from Yota so far, it's the, the close control, it's the playing across the, the whole of the front line. He's a left winger to trade, but it's his right foot that he uses uh, uh, predominantly. So he's going. To, you're going to see him coming in, linking up with Kyogo, playing the passes through. What for me the big thing about that is you're taking Kyogo away from the left hand side, which I think was one of the things on Sunday where he was wasted. He was wasted out there on the left hand side because he's not one who looks if he's going to take on three or four players and beat them. He's one that wants to link up the play, and yeah. get the running behind. He's not. You saw he was up against Balogun who isn't the most natural right-back. But Balogun had a very comfortable game against him because he didn't want to try and knock it by him. He didn't want to try and take him on. He was looking to cut inside and he was looking to play the pass. This, In this sense, you've got a natural winger in Jota who his first instinct is to get by someone. His first mm-hmm. instinct is to try and play that pass through. So it gives us another option on the left side. Looking at it, though, if Ryan Christie wasn't going to move, you would have had both him and Jota. But the fact that Christie's gone as well, if Yota doesn't hit the ground running, we've got to hope that Mikey Johnson comes back in and plays there. Otherwise, we are kind of late on that side. That is one of the areas, see the park, that is one of the areas where we are late, Colin, there's no yeah. doubt about it. There's glaring, uh, left, kind of mid-wing and right back. You know, you're looking at these two areas and thinking we needed bodies in there, but um, p- people will inevitably play out of position. We know that Forrest can play on the left, we know that Abada mm-hmm. can play on the left, but again, it comes back down to the strongest positions. You want them to be playing in the strongest area of the park. I'm just going to, uh, the reason I brought Ado back up, I'm, I'm just interested to know if you can name Colin for me the avatar, that Italia 90 hero. Brian's probably looking at him and he knows who he is. He was the top goal scorer at Italy 90. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's time to take control of your investing education. TD Ameritrade's fully immersive curriculum includes a wide range of educational resources to match your preferred style of learning. Rated best in class education 2022 by stockbrokers.com. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash education resources. Oh my word, Toto Scalacci, Juventus. There you go, eh? Showing my age, showing my age. I, t- I tell you what though, Paul, we were talking about like that left-hand side there. Someone who could come into the consideration that Brian's already mentioned is mm-hmm. young Montgomery. I yep. think Montgomery could be the, the option there if Yota gets injured or Yota isn't fit, etc. is playing on the left-hand side. And that means that you are looking to tailor in scales to be your left-backs because Montgomery's natural position is further forward. And I think in the, the sort of performances you've seen, especially against Altmar, when he got the ball, he looked so comfortable going forward. He looks more comfortable in that half of the park. 
So he's another option there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there are other players that we need to talk about before the end of the broadcast because we're about three quarters of the way through. And we have uh, Georges Giacomakis, uh, beautifully beautifully pronounced by Colin Watt, I've got to say, born in Araclio in Greece, beautiful wee part of Crete. Uh, also the birthplace of a certain Georgios Samaras. 26-year-old Greek striker, uh, five-year deal once again for around two and a half million. He was the 10th signing of the summer. He's already a full internationalist and he's played uh, his football in Poland, the Netherlands and in Greece as well. Now, you look at his season that he's had, you know, 29 goals in 33 games, but across his his, uh, professional career, 55 goals and 183 career appearances, I think tells you the full story on that one. Now, I'm looking at that and obviously Edward will talk about these two guys and Griffiths have gone Will this mean, Colin, that you see the, the squad, you know, uh, that we might see a wee bit more of Albiana Yeti? You've got to try and find some way to get something out of him because as it stands right now, it's a waste of £5 million. You look at Barkas, Barkas couldn't even get a loan move out yesterday. He turned down the deal for, I think it was PEOK that came in with a, a bid for him yesterday to take him out on loan. A Yeti could be in the exact same boat if we don't get something out of him. For me, the biggest concern with Celtics forwards is when's the last time we saw someone who you brought in that would guarantee you 10, 15 goals a season? It's not the the top goal scorer. You've always had that top goal scorer that came in. Even going right back to the sort of Martin O'Neill days where you had Sutton, Hartson and Larson, they were all going to get you 20-odd goals. That's the last time you had three strikers you could kind of rely upon. Going forward, Jan Venegura Hesselink maybe got you 10, 15 but there was always that one striker you relied on for that period of time, whether it be guys like Zurafsky, McDonald, Edward, Dembele. We need these other strikers to step up and score the goals as well. Because I think Kyogo's going to get you 20 odd goals a season. But is the likes of Yakamakis going to come in and get you 10, 15 goals a season? Is a Yeti going to come in and get you 10, 15 goals a season? Or are they just going to be the signings that you throw on and they score maybe three, four and move on in a couple of years' time? But I think they need guys, to. I think they need to when you look at yeah. the goals that have just walked out the building. Yeah, you, you, you look at the strikers we've signed over the last couple of years, um, even as far back as your Stefan Skepovic, is they've never been players that's come in and gave us a shift. We need to bring in guys like that. We can't rely on the one striker to see us through the whole season. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. But on that point of what you would expect... You look at the goals that Edward would bring to the, the team, even on a bad season like last season, Brian, 20-odd goals. You look at the goals that, that Christie scores, and important goals as well. They've they've walked out the building, and you know they need to be replaced. So, Giacomakis or Yeti, if playing, you're expecting 20-plus goals from, from them. Simple as that. Kyogo looks as though, out of the three, from what we've seen, he is capable of doing that as well. But, you know, there is no point, Colin, this is the thing, there is no point in bringing in a striker and for them to do what Ayeti did last season and end up scoring five or six goals. We really can't afford to do that, you know, because uh, we've got two go- we've got two goal scorers um, in Griffiths and Eddie. I know Griffiths has barely played in the last three seasons, uh, leaving leaving the building. And also Christie, we've lost a lot of goals there. Um, and I think that when you're looking at, at the new uh, Greek striker, um, yeah, we can look at what he done last season, but still a little bit of an unknown quantity. However, coming in with international pedigree, uh, Brian, and I'm just thinking that, you know, we got a, a wee insight pre-season 
into the fact that Ange was willing to give a Yeti uh, a game. He's not played much in the competitive competitive games, but again, we will at times be left with no other option than to play Albion a Yeti. Yeah, and I think what you see is you see a, a, a slight tweak to the sort of the, the tactics. So with Bikugo, he's basing his movement with speed. So um, Georgios and Ayeti are going to give you that. They're, they're different types of players. I think if he's rotating, he rejig the sort of the team accordingly. That's why I think you see a a, sort of, a change in, in the sort of tactical set and the formations because you can't rely on Ayeti to run the channels and make that space for you. He's just not going to do it. It's not his, his wheelhouse. He might try and do it, but it's not what he's got. So I think you see, you know, he shifts in that. Um, and I'm quite excited to see that as well. I think it's, it'd be good to get a change of dynamic because what you don't want to play is, although you want to play the same way all the time, you don't want to always play the same formation. You want to have a different dynamic to it because if you're an opposition team, you're going to quickly learn how to try and deal with Kubo, how to deal with Bada, how to deal with say Forrest on the, the left yeah but we're suddenly then faced with, with, with um, Georgios and Ayeti as a front two we go we didn't expect this but you're still having that inverted full back high press so I think there are going to be a few surprises over the next uh, weeks and months and I think that can only be good because I think that will give teams something to think about because we said before you know I'm a, a big defender at Angeball but it's no, you know where the weaknesses are. You know what to target. The issue is, if we're good enough going forward and doing things that way, it doesn't matter what the weaknesses are because when the beat teams will smaller them, we push them back. The problem is if I'm not good enough doing that, that's where the pressure goes onto the back. So that's why I think you start to see these differences. Like on the game on Sunday, I don't think defensively we were that bad. I think it was attacking wise we let the team down. Mm-hmm. I think if we'd have been better as attack. You know, he's, you know, with so much potential, uh, possession, it was sixty-six percent. I think we we one less shot and goal than them. So that shows to me that the attack wasn't good enough. We mm-hmm. uh, only four shots in target the whole game. You know, we beat the four-one game. I think they down. So that shows me defence. It was a better defensive display, and it was a poorer attacking display. So I think that you know the the way Andrew's going to play depends on how much we attack and how strongly we are in that department. And that's where I think you see a, a, a switch of sort of styles, I suppose, and personnel to sort of capitalise on that and stop mm-hmm. it being predictable. Because I say that the system itself is predictable. But if it wins, it doesn't matter. You've seen with Brendan Rodgers set up, you know what he was going to do? He was going to control possession and, and try to attack. So you should yeah. defend that, but it's whether you're good enough to defend against that. I mean, most teams in Scotland won't be. But if we've got it up in Europe, they will be. And that's where we need to just keep practicing, keep trying to get better. And that's where I think the change in dynamic up front will benefit us. Aye, I think so. And let's not forget, you know, we're talking about goals. Uh, Abada is a, a massive goal threat. I think he was one of the reasons from an offensive perspective, Brian, that we didn't capitalise because the, the game passed him by. And I, I wasn't being overcritical when I said that. I appreciate the age of the player. Um, but obviously, he really has impressed uh, domestically and in Europe. And I just think that uh, he was a big disappointment for me in his first game against Rangers. And hopefully, he can make up for that in the next fixture. Uh, Colin, loads more to talk about. But, you know, uh, Brian suggested there that we might get a few surprises and that's part of the, the enjoyment of this. Who do you reckon from the 12 that have come in might surprise us, might end up being that kind of, that nugget, that hidden gem? 
I, I think Scales is the one. I think because he's almost an unknown. Um, he's coming in with a very kind of low transfer fee. He's got the chance to to step up. I would say when you look at Shamrock Rovers, and I'll call them Shamrock Rovers, not to offend anybody, um, if you've got to put them in the Scottish League, they would be challenging for the top six. And that's the kind of players that we look to target. I mean, the comment section was going a bit wild earlier, but guys like Ali McCann making that move to Preston last night for yeah. a million pounds, mm-hmm. that's something that Celtic could have been completely all over. We've been speaking about guys like Lewis Ferguson, Martin Boyle, um, Calvin Ramsey. There's been plenty of players over the, the period in Scotland that we should have been targeting or could have brought in. So that having someone like Scales, who I think if you brought Shamrock over, would be a top six Scottish side, suggests that that's the kind of level you're bringing in. As you said yourself, you've not had a chance to see him play, but he's played at a European level for Shamrock against teams that we would come up against in qualifiers, I think he's ready to make that step up there and be the surprise package. It's a low fee. It's what it's always the ones that you expect the least from that you end up getting the most out of. What about uh, what about yourself, Brian? <laughs> See, sorry to Shamrock Rovers fans here. Uh, apology. <laughs> I'm gonna to have to get it on a ticker tape. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, it's hard to say. You know, you would assume probably Scales would be the right one because we don't know anything about him. We've not really seen him. And I think, you know, in, in typical, you know, supporter fashion, we're already sort of writing him off, aren't we? Because we don't know him. So Scales, oh, that's, we're just signing him for the sake of it. So I think he, if, if he comes in, the expectations are fairly low for him. So whatever he comes in and does, as long as it's not bad, is thereby, relatively speaking, good. Um, yeah, it's good, it's... The thing about it is, you're, you're expecting so much from Jota, from, from Giorgio's coming in. Um, McCarthy's one I think will be interesting. He's got a big reputation, but he's, he's not been starting yet. I think mm-hmm. you could see that actually, say something does happen to, to, to Calmac and it's injured and McCarthy comes in. You could see a real steal in that midfield, because I think that's something that we missed on Sunday and I think we missed against Altmar. We, we don't have a physical presence. You know, as much as we're, we're good on the ball and we're aggressive and we're, we're we're strong we're no we're no strong in the physical sense we're no robust that's why I'd like to see more like you know guys like Shaw playing I think it's a chance I know Colin Sini's in the Celtic B squad but longer term guys like that McCarthy coming in so I think I think that could be a surprise when he comes in it just gives a bit more robustness um, that we're lacking at the moment Have we been playing Shaw in the cup games rather than the league games yeah. Colin? Yeah. yeah we have been yeah Aye, um, a couple of wee points then because uh, we could go on and on about this there's been so much happening um, Lee Griffiths has left the building um, he was the subject of loads of discussions on a Celtic state of mind and most of the contributors didn't want him to sign a new deal in the first place but we gave him that final chance and you know even to the very last moment Colin it looked to me as though Griffiths can't help himself he releases the news of the signing before the two clubs involved. He announces it on his own social media. He just, you know, he just can't take a telling. He's one of these kids that just can't take a telling. That's what he reminds me of. Um, unprofessional to the end, I would suggest. He's going to do all right, I think, with Dundee. But um, are you glad that we've managed to offload him? Because there was always that sideshow with the Griffiths, wasn't there? Yeah, it's one thing that we didn't need um, going ahead in this season is the, the attraction that isn't on the park. Uh, all of his problems seem to come off the park and um, he's away to Dundee 
the fact that it's a loan deal probably suits us as well because we don't have that thing of what if he plays against us, what if he scores against us. We don't have to worry about that because that's part of the loan contract. It sees it out to the rest of his contract and we can move on knowing that his Celtic career's over. Um, <laughs> look, of all the players that left over the last, what, three months that the transfer window was open, I don't think there was anybody that we weren't really surprised left the building. There were some that were surprised that stayed, but I don't think there was anybody really that we were surprised that left. So it, it is going back to what we looked at last season. We looked at how many players are going to be out the door. We reckoned about 15, 16. Mm. Um, in total, I think it was 16, but there was other ones there like Leo Helge that we probably would have said we didn't expect him to go, although there was rumours back then. It could have been even worse. We brought in 12 plus another couple for the B team. It's a good first step. We're still light. I wouldn't be surprised if we dipped into the free agency market. But overall, it's been okay so far. You know, when we're looking at that, and I mentioned Griffiths, Brian, as I say, we've spoken to death about uh, Lee Griffiths. And, you know, it was himself, Ball and Golly and Barkas, really, that I wanted um, to leave the club uh, simply for the fact that they're not contributing. They're, They're on decent wages, you know, they have bags of experience. They're not contributing, you know, Champions League experience, international experience, and they're just not contributing. So move them on, move them on. Um, but we are left with, with Ball and Golly and uh, Barkas, but good to see Griffiths away. I was kind of surprised, and I said this at the beginning of the show, that we allowed O'Connor to go on another mm-hmm. uh, year-long loan because all joking aside, Colin and I have a wee uh, debate now and again about the right-back position, but I think that it's left us a bit light at the, at the right-back area, so unless we've maybe got one or two other free agents in mind who can fill that position, um, I'm a bit concerned about that position, I've got to say. Uh, I need to talk about two, two final things before we go, because we haven't laboured, we've been speaking more about those coming in. So let's talk about Ryan Christie. Do you think, Brian, he was the one that got away? He was the one that showed enough in a short space of time since Ange came in that he could have played a big part in Ange's system? Or are you just thinking, you know what, he's only playing that way? Because I've seen a lot of this on Twitter, and I don't necessarily agree with it. He was only playing that way to get the move. I think that his performance has improved due to the system that we were playing um, and the fact that he was playing under a new manager. What's your take on it? Um, my first thought is just in terms of players out, I think um, Griffith going to Dundee is he's just made that team a spectacularly good looking humans, isn't he? Between him and Paul McGowan and Big Charlie Adam, they're certainly going to win the prize for best squad of the year. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on a night out with them um, and, and it's nothing to do with the way they look. Imagine going on a, a night out with him and Cummins. Oh no, all they need now is Anthony Stokes up front. Anyway, yeah. yeah uh, well, Christy, look, there's two ways on that. So I thought I thought his attitude was really good so far this season. I thought he played really well. I thought his attitude, you know, he saw his reaction after the game when we get through against Altmar. Yeah. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But, and this is where the but is, he also said that, you know, if he wants to go here as well, let him go just now. Because, you know, I think probably for his mind, he, he was enjoying the football and stuff. And I think he's also got affinity with Celtic now after being there for so long. But, you know, he's tw- 26 now, isn't he, Lancaster? Mm-hmm. So if he's going to get a move, it, it probably had to be now, didn't it, really? So I think he was going to move on regardless, realistically. I don't think any Celtic could have done with a kept him. I think they, they gave him plenty of game time. I think post probably made a real gesture giving him the captain's armband. Uh, I think he probably just had his mind up he was going to go. And, and do you know what? He's, he's at least... He's sort of, if he'd have left at the start of the transfer window, I think he'd have left under a cloud, same Edward. I think he'd have been sort of remembered negatively. But I think mm. he's shown enough to remind you some of the good times. And I know he certainly leaves with, with my best wishes, as did Big Eddie. Um, Furious, by the way, at that Crystal Palace ad. You remember the record show? I actually thought he was going to ask him, should he do it at the time? You were in the pictures, I mean, he's making a cameo on the show, he's coming on as a guest, but um, bit Snyder, Crystal Palace, to, to steal that from us. I'm not really happy with that, but, you know, so he's just big flat to Big Eddie. Um, a lot of good memories, uh, particularly the 3-2 game at Ibrooks, where we, um, we were the 10 men. Um, you know, I hope he's a really good career. I suspect him and I are be the ones that have with the bigger club moves and in, in, in bigger careers than Christy, if I'm honest. And that's not just mm. to him, but I just mm-hmm. feel like kind of championship. He gets to be there for three years. He's 29. Is he going to get a Premier League club move at that time? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, leave him our best wishes and we move forward and hopefully a brighter future. I was actually quite impressed with that video. Don't know when he filmed it, but uh, obviously it's been a quick edit. And, um, you know, I, I was looking at it from a social media perspective thinking yeah, I've got to admit that was, that was pretty good yeah, it wasn't pretty good as quick as the photoshop that Celtic managed to turn around on Cameron Carter Vickers because they had the, the picture and everything ready to go within about the space of 15-20 minutes um, how many of them have been done and have not posted them Colin how many of those players have been done and have not posted probably. them I want, I want to ask you though before you say Colin you probably were one of the biggest critics, and that's not a criticism of you, of Ryan Christie last season. What's your thoughts? Do you think that we've seen enough signs, or do you think it was best for all involved for him to go now? I mean, I was surprised at the fee that's been um, discussed for him. Um, if you read the papers, it's about one to one and a half. Sky were reporting two and a half yesterday. If you got anything like that for someone that's only got six months left on his deal, I think it's a good deal overall. For me... With Ryan Christie, it's, he was so hot and cold, it was ridiculous. You couldn't get a consistent run of form out of him. And his heart just wasn't in it. The fact that he's made the move to Bournemouth, now as Brian said, it might have been his his, uh, his childhood club apparently, but I think it might only be him and Harry Redknapp that have ever supported Bournemouth from a youngster. Um, he's, he's seen the first opportunity to go and he's taken it. For me, a move to Bournemouth, it's not going to get him into the Premier League. I don't see Bournemouth going up this season. If you stay in the Championship long enough, you just become a journeyman down there. He's already 26. For me, it's a step down for him going from Celtic to Bournemouth. 
if he'd signed another 12 year extension, year- why what is it with these 12 year extensions? Jim McLean is having a, a say in here. If he'd signed another 12 month extension and he had looked as if he was stepping in to the way that Ange wants to play, he's getting another crack at the Europa League. Maybe a team of a better level would have stepped in to take him in January or in the summer. It's just that was his only option out and he's taken it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now before I go a couple of wee things uh, from Axom we appreciate everybody that tunes in we've been well over 1500 on a live basis and we'll get loads more once uh, it settles down on all the various platforms Um, and we thank you all for your support and we are going to ask you uh, I'm just going to change the background from our official sponsor the Celtic Way to show that we do already have a couple of nominations on the board uh, from 2018 and 2020 due to the content that we produce you can add another three on there we're up for three different awards this year so that's a totally five some of us will be going down to london for the award ceremony and we will be sharing on social media how you can help us get into uh, the 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 king day position where we go down there with a wee bit of confidence if you enjoy what you've seen over the last year or even four years since it was a a kitchen table podcast right through to where we've managed to to get our own studio and go out on a daily basis then we really would appreciate your views the big one for me um, is the the charitable award because I think if we if we win that we're winning it on behalf of the Celtic community who were part of that weekend and that involved a lot of different podcasts and uh, also everybody who donated to the final amount of 27 grand which is what Celtic's all about isn't it so that is a Celtic state of mind so we will be showing you um, and telling you rather how to vote in relation to that. Another thing I would say is loads of prizes given away on a monthly and sometimes weekly basis. All you do, subscribe on YouTube, get the notifications on. We come out every single day, 12.30 and every match day. And there's loads of other content. So next week you will be able to see our sit-down interview on a one-to-one level with Paul McQuaid, the author of the new Johnny Doyle book. That'll be out next week on the Axon Retrospective. Thanks everybody for joining us. We really do appreciate it and thanks for all your comments. But also thank you to Colin Watton and Brian Degnan for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.